Good evening, everyone. It is January 11th, 2023. Welcome to the Warrant Committee. Uh, Madam Secretary, would you please uh, announce who we have present by way of in-person and by Zoom? Certainly. Tonight we have present Jay Fumlin, Judy Steele, Amanda Serio, Allison Gagnon, Lori Connolly, Thomas Caldwell, Lorraine D, Kristen Posiel, Stephen Geister, CJ O'Connor, Emily Cavalier, and Dave Humphreys. Thank you. The main item on our agenda tonight is going to be a discussion to propose Article 2 uh, for our special town meeting, which will be uh, germane to the town treasurer collector position. Um, to present that article to us, I'm going to ask the town administrator, Nick Milano, to come and, uh, and, to, pre and to present the article formally to us. And he's going to give us an update with regards to the questions that we had with regards to Article 3. Uh, the proposed purchase of the um, 930 Brook Street property. Nick, would you please? Thank you. Sure. Good to see you all again. Hi. Um, sorry, this is Jay. Can I interrupt? I can't see anything. I don't know if Lorraine can see anything. She can't hear anything either. <clears throat> I don't think you show anything. I don't know if Milton Access TV can, can see. I guess they're the ones that count. Yeah, I'm only seeing um, the Zoom participants myself. I can't hear anybody. Has the meeting started? <laughs> and I can't hear anybody, though. What did we do in the old days? We'd all be here. <laughs> I just was going to send them an email to say that they're working on it. There we are. Just to check, nobody on the Zoom can hear this? Oh, you can. Okay, so Jake can hear this. Nobody else? Lorraine, can you hear this? I'm good here. Okay. That's this is good. Judy. Okay. Can you still, can you see anything or is it just audio? No, I can see the uh, blue room and the participants okay. now. Okay. Yes. All right. We should be good. It's be Judy. Sorry about that, everybody. Okay. Lorraine, I don't know what's wrong. We want to get back to the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just, I'll email Lorraine to make sure she can, since she was the only one who didn't hear. Right. 
Maybe she should log off and try to log yeah, back in. Possibly. Yeah, just the general rule is always restart your computer first. Just reboot. Reboot. Oh, yeah. There we are. So. Sorry about that. Good for you. As I was saying, good for you, Logan. <laughs> so we. Um, Select board met last night in executive session to pick up the conversation about the potential purchase of um, the Pokemon content. We had not and have still not received um, any additional information from the Suspicious Centers at this time. Um, just as a reminder where we are in the process, we received a proposal from them in December. December 21st, the select board um, made an offer back to the sisters and we're waiting um, a response um, to that now. So there is uh, no additional information from our conversation on. Um, on Monday. I apologize that we don't have any No apologies are necessary. I mean, it's part of the process. Thank you for that update. Sure. Um, so what's this article two? <laughs> so um, I'll run through just to reframe the conversation about article two quickly, and then I'll set aside and let um, everybody else there um, chime in. So. Um, so just to recap uh, the proposed article, to see if the town will vote to change the town treasurer collector from a position elected under MGL Chapter 41, Section 1, to a position appointed by the town administrator under MGL Chapter 41, Section 1B, and Chapter 65 of the Acts of 2016, um, further to amend the general bylaws if necessary uh, to accomplish the purposes of this article. Um, as I mentioned last time, I did have the full text of that statute, but Essentially, the two components are is that Chapter 41, Section 1B provides the process for communities to transition from elected positions to appointed. Um, two steps, town meeting vote at least 60 days before the annual town election. Um, I ran through this again on Monday, but uh, there are three potential outcomes. Special town meeting might vote against it. Town meeting could approve, um, and the question could pass in April, in which case, um, if a candidate runs for treasurer and is elected, that person will serve until a permanent appointment made. Um, and then the third outcome is what has happened here in Wilson previously, where a special town meeting could vote to approve it, but the question may not pass, in which case the elected treasurer shall serve a full time. Um, in terms of trends, I, I pulled some information from the Massachusetts Division of Local Services at the end of December. 47 municipalities out of 351 have elected treasurers. If you look at um, communities that are a little bit larger, over 10,000, 15 out of um, those 180 have an elected treasurer. Uh, here's a list of the 15 that do have an elected, and I can distribute this after. Um, I added some notes just to give a sense of uh, what's happening in a few other communities. In November, the city of Holyoke was considering um, a ballot question to make this change. Um, I put Milton on this list here. Belmont has a special town meeting scheduled for the end of January um, with a ballot question in April. Uh, Ludlow actually on Monday night voted on this to approve it. It'll appear on their annual town election in March. Westwood's taking a slightly different tack. Um, they had a charter review committee recommend to make this change. They have both an elected treasurer and an elected collector. They are moving to make both positions appointed and they're going to um, do that through special legislation. So that'll be a town meeting vote at their annual town meeting in May and then they'll submit that special legislation up to the legislature so they won't be going the ballot 
but town meeting and ballot both steps. So just want to provide a little context as to what other communities are doing um, here in Massachusetts. The one that I found most recently to change was Rehoboth, which did so at the end of last calendar year. Um, and they had done a special legislation route as well. Um, so just in terms of a little bit of background so, uh, to this change, so this making a, these positions appointed is routinely cited by the Department of Revenue Division of Local Services as a best practice. Their general guideline is that um, elected officials should be those who make policy and, and um, advisory recommendations and that for operational um, positions, um, they should be um, appointed officials. Um, so the other things I point to is that you can attract, potentially attract a broader pool of applicants, um, whereas you know anybody could apply to this position. Um, an elected official has to be a resident of Milton. Um, you know, you can have certain things to screen applicants to try to attract a higher quality of candidate. Um, so this is just a quote uh, that I thought was helps kind of frame where the uh, Division of Local Services comes on this issue that unlike policy making positions, typically boards and committees, a treasurer and collective position requires specific skill sets. An appointment process expands the pool of potential candidates with the experience and qualifications critical to the position. Um, lastly, and I know that um, Rick and Leroy will talk about this, that um, Milton had a financial management review done by the Division of Local Services in 2013. Their recommendations included more centralized management overall, especially in the financial departments, and a consolidated financial department and the town government study committee, which they can speak to much better than I can, um, had included this as one of their recommendations as well. Um, so I think just, just want to try to help frame the conversation there. Um, you know, I think the last thing I want to say is it's been a pleasure to work with Jim. He is retired. Um, so I, it's this whole conversation, I think we can all agree, is, is not about Mr. McCall in any means. It's more about um, what is what would be next. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that um, folks understood that our perspective on this and the, the comments that we're making are about looking forward and not um, intended to be taken about anybody um, in the position. Um, and if uh, there was no retirement coming, I, we wouldn't be having this conversation after. So statement too. With that, I can take any questions if there are any at this point, or I can turn it over to other folks. Question, whichever way, who would appoint the position? Um, this position would be appointed by myself, the town administrator, um, as the other department heads are. Um, the department heads under the select board. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Hello. Can I ask a question? Yeah, we have hands up. Judy has one too. Yes, please, Jay. I'm sorry, no, Judy can go first, please. Oh, thank you, Jay. <laughs> um, so my question um, goes to the presentation, uh, one portion of which is that we would have a um, broader pool of candidates to choose from. In my looking at uh, several other towns that have gone this way, we pay our town treasurer just a hair over 100000 In many of the towns that have an appointed position, uh, the salaries are much higher, moving into the mid-100s. Um, so that's a significant, well, it's a noticeable increase in having this move 
money-wise. So the question goes to this. Um, it appears to draw a good uh, candidate pool. We are going to have to throw some money at that to sort of, um, uh, the most qualified of candidates would be looking at a comp monetary compensation as well as working conditions, I imagine. So can you answer that, Mr. Milano, how you would see that unfolding once we go to um, an appointed position in regards to compensation for this position to the candidate chosen? Sure. I think it's a really important question um, because financial minds working in municipalities is a challenge that all municipalities are facing right now. Um, and a corollary is the fact that the town looked to hire its town accountant finance director, posted the position in April, and when I arrived in September, the position was still unfilled. And we reposted it, re-advertised, pushed out to my network, and we had two applicants one of whom was from a much smaller community, three applicants rather, one of whom was from a much smaller community, um, and one of whom lived on one of the two islands off the coast of Massachusetts. So um, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's an issue that we're facing broad strokes in, in Massachusetts in terms of attracting folks to come into work in the municipal finance field. I think it's unfortunate because I think they're good jobs, good work-life balance, they pay pretty well, it's interesting work. Um, but that's on us to recruit people into, the, into this world. Um, but I think the salary question would apply, in my view, whether it's elected or appointed. Um, you know, somebody would have to run for elected office, and if they work in finance today, it's probably a pay cut, and now you're asking them to run for office on an annual basis. So I think the salary question is, is, is not um, an easy conversation, but I think it applies whether it's elected or appointed in terms of having a, a job that people will be attracted to. That said, I, I, we've done some salary surveys. I, I think we're not extremely far out of the range. Ne the town of Needham is advertising right now in their advertising about where um, this position in Milton pays currently. Um, and Needham is pretty comparable in, in a lot of ways to Milton. They have a little bit more industry. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's something we've looked at and we will consider um, as this goes forward. Matt, Matt, just, just a quick follow-up to that. If you have to go higher than the current um, rate of salary we have, would that need approval, or is that sort of a financial decision that the town administrator makes? Um, so the, the salary line, um, the salary for all positions in, in the town government are included as, as part of the budget, so that, that would have to be um, included in, in throughout the budget making process. Um, and if there is a change in the salary, it will have to be proposed through that process, which the water committee certainly plays an integral role. Thank you. Jay. Hello. Uh, my question is, when we looked at this five years ago, we were discussing both having the appointed treasurer and then having a town CFO as a new role, and that person would oversee the treasurer. So are we still talking about that being a new role, or are we saying that is the role that Amy Dexter is filling now and this person would report to Amy Dexter and not adding another body? So for right now, I would say the latter, Jake, because we're, 
we're not, it's, we would be, under that proposal, we would be adding one full new FTE to, um, to the town financial departments. I'm not in a position to make that request right now. I think in the, if you look at the warrant report from back in October of 2018, it indicated that this was the first step in a process towards getting to a department that might look like that. I think that would still be potentially a long-term goal, um, but it's not something we're making a request to now. So we would have a finance director slash town accountant, Amy Dexter, who um, her job description includes overseeing the financial departments, um, as well as a treasurer, a chief appraiser, um, the, the staff in her office, that uh, in the town accountant's office as well. So. Um, Yes, that was part of the conversation. I think it's still part of the conversation we should have long-term about the town of Milton's organizational setup, but it's not something that we're requesting at this time. Are there any other questions for the town administrator? Thank you. At this time, we've asked Mr. McAuliffe and Mr. Walker and Mr. Neely uh, to, to, to address us. Which maybe you could all three come up and sit in that I know that Mr. Walker has a presentation. So maybe we could lead off with his presentation. But then hopefully we can have a, a conversation about your perspectives and recommendations to us. So Mr. Walker, welcome. Good evening. Good evening. Ready to roll? We are ready to roll. Which slide, please? So what I wanted to do is summarize, and once again, this is a presentation that I delivered uh, to town meeting uh, in 2018 on behalf of the town government study committee. And what it does and we'll do this evening is summarize uh, the work that we did uh, and the important findings that came out of that. So we used four approaches and we surveyed other municipality financial management structures. We looked at uh, various towns and I'll give you a list of those in a minute. And we looked at how their uh, finance and finance departments were structured. Uh, we interviewed a range of municipality officials. We talked with a list of Milton key stakeholders, and uh, I'll show you that list in a minute as well. And we did a review of the statewide information and trends provided by the Mass Department of Revenue. And as um, Town Administrator Milano said, we referred in large part to the uh, financial management survey that the ELS Department of Revenue did for us. Next slide. Uh, this research was carried out over a three-year period, and we talked with 23 municipalities. We either surveyed them directly or interviewed officials in those towns. Uh, those were Brookline, Lexington, Dedham, Wellesley, Winchester, Swanscott, Stoughton, Belmont, Canton, Norwood, Needham, Concord, Sharon, Norwell, Sudbury, Andover, Hingham, Westwood, Ludlow, North Attleboro, Rockland. Next slide, please. And then, based on all of that, we, we saw some trends uh, that I think are important to consider as we consider this question once again. 
the first was that 79% uh, of the Massachusetts municipalities at the time had appointed treasurers. That was, as, as you saw in, in Nick's presentation, there are 351 cities and towns in Massachusetts. So 79% of those municipalities had appointed treasurers. And of the 74 um, municipalities that had elected treasurers, only 24 of those had populations above 10,000. Uh, the trend obviously was the larger the municipality, the more likely uh, it was that they had an appointed treasurer. And when we did a separate cut of the data and looked at operating budgets between 50 million and 200 million, 90% um, of those municipalities had appointed treasurer. So you see the trend developing in the next slide. So what do we conclude for, from um, all this information that we gathered in these interviews? Uh, one was that there was a clear affirmation of the importance of an organizational structure where there was a lead finance individual. And that could have been a CFO, finance director, assistant town administrator for finance, but someone who had oversight of all of the different financial functions was important. And, and at the time, Arlington was considering uh, voting to move to an appointed position, and they did. Um, no identified instances of conversions the other way. So uh, based on that three-year period of research, we didn't find any instances where um, towns went the other way, that they had an appointed treasurer and then subsequently decided to go to an elected treasurer. Next slide. So what we concluded, and uh, Nick alluded to this a moment ago, uh, that if we're looking for a CFO or a finance director, that uh, recruiting an individual that would be willing to oversee all of that without having that uh, treasury function there was unlikely, and that a consolidated financial uh, management structure would enhance what uh, we saw as cross-training opportunities and career advancement opportunities. So with a larger organization, there would be more opportunity to have individuals cross-train and perhaps move up within the organization. Next slide. So as I said, uh, th these are the stakeholders that we talked to, uh, members of the audit committee, town auditors, the board of selectmen, uh, which is now the select board, and those were individual discussions with each member at the time, town administrator, the town treasurer, the town accountant, public school superintendent, the chair of the school committee, the uh, assistant superintendent for business at the Milton Public Schools, the warrant committee chair, and the town moderator. Next slide, please. So what do we hear from those individuals? And this is uh, a difficult conversation to have, and Nick alluded to this as well. It's a difficult conversation to have when you have um, incumbent treasurer because you, you want to be as careful as possible not to make the discussion about the incumbent treasurer, my friend Jen, <laughs> but about the structure and, and what might benefit the town the most. Uh, but what I will say is when we had these private conversations, individuals were very forthcoming about what they thought 
could be improved and should be improved. So here's what we heard, that there would be increased cooperation, that the idea there was when you have someone who's separate from the rest of the financial management structure, and the decision about whether to cooperate is theirs. So sometimes they may cooperate, sometimes they may not, but since they're not part of the financial management structure and they're not part of the reporting structure, that's a choice they make. So what we heard from people is they were certain that there would be increased cooperation. Uh, next and probably more important was improved coordination. Uh, that was with regard to short-term financial planning, audit responses, uh, audit recommendation implementation, and coordination between payroll, accounting, and treasury audits human resources function. And again, that was complicated by the fact that um, you had an independent treasurer who had a choice about whether and when uh, they were willing to get involved, cooperate. And um, what I heard from these individuals, this long list of people, including Jim, we talked to Jim as you saw, um, was that uh, there was a clear sense of cooperation Uh, next, that a qualified CFO or finance director uh, would improve financial management practices and discipline. So this is the discussion that often occurs um, every time a town considers this question, and that is, with an elected treasurer, there's no requirement for qualifications. It's who gets most votes. That could be because they're popular, could be because they're, because they're qualified. Um, over the last 20 years, the two incumbents, Kevin Sorge was a police officer. Uh, Jim, I believe, was a real estate agent. I think that was, that was Treasurer Okay, Treasurer of the Labor Union. And when we looked at what we considered to be essential qualifications for a treasurer, uh, it was someone with a definite experience in treasury operations, in investment management, in cash management, and uh, those are qualifications that you may or may not get with uh, an elected treasurer. So the sense was that someone who came in with those qualifications or was recruited with those qualifications would improve financial management practices and discipline, important when you're making multi-million dollar decisions. Uh, second, uh, or third, fourth, we heard that uh, there would be more consistent accountability across the financial management team uh, with the treasurer as a direct report. Um, improvement in the quality of the capital planning, planning, bonding, and management of debt service. Debt service, as you know, bond issues and debt service are um, some of the most important financial decisions that the town makes, and more importantly, their multi-million dollar decisions. So millions of dollars can be saved, millions of dollars can be lost based on the quality of the decisions there. And again, the thought was that uh, someone who had that experience uh, would probably be better at making uh, a higher quality decision. Uh, similarly, thinking about what the midterm and long-term revenue strategies are for the town. And again, being a part of a financial management team that uh, 
did that planning and made those decisions. So the idea is the team does the planning, the team does the execution, rather than um, an individual who's independent. And as I said, some they make the decision about whether they cooperate. Um, that sense was that with a, with a cohesive financial management team, again, that the quality of that planning would be uh, improved. And then finally, long-term financial planning and forecasting. Um, I want to do a commercial here. This is something that I've been talking with the town a lot. If you, the town meeting members, you've heard me say before the importance of having a financial plan. Um, we have had one. I'm entirely sure we have one now, but we need one badly as an overarching strategy for how we make these decisions about bonding, about all of these important financial management decisions that we need. So that was the um, stakeholder feedback that we heard. Uh, and then lastly, I just wanted to do an update. Nick did this as well, but uh, as of 2018, the slide you see on the screen uh, was that there were 24 towns with populations at least 10,000 and above who had an elected treasurer. Since that time, um, Burlington, Gardner, Meanfield, Lakeville, Marlborough, Pepperell, Rehoboth, Webster, and Westport have all gone to an appointed treasurer. And Burlington, I'm sorry, Belmont has a select board forum next week, uh, January 19th on this very question. Holyoke has a ballot question and a discussion, and Whitman has an appointed treasurer on the May 20, 2023 budget or ballot. So these are things that towns are talking about. Um, I would close with two things though. The, all of this information certainly suggests that um, some towns think this is a good idea, but some people would say, well, so what? We're Milton. We don't have to do things just like everyone else. We could do things differently. And the argument is and was that the treasurer should be independent and accountable to the voters and that uh, you get a better quality decision making there. I think I would strongly and respectfully disagree with that. I think that the notion that the treasurer is accountable to the voters would be true with politicians who you can check their voting records, you can check the positions that they take, and you're right. I'm accountable to the voters, and if you don't like the decisions that I've made and the, the positions that I've taken, you can vote me out the next time. With the treasurer, there's not that kind of transparency, unfortunately. They're making day-to-day -day decisions that nobody <laughs> sees. And frankly, the taxpayers don't have the time, or in some cases, the expertise to hold that individual accountable. It's a much better model when you have them as part of an organization structure where they're accountable to a lead finance individuals. So I think as we think about this, uh, I'll just relate the, the uh, sequence of events the last time. We, Talked to the Warren Committee. The Warren Committee approved the article and the proposal. We talked to town meeting. They approved the article and the proposal. And the ballot question failed. And I think the ballot question failed. Uh, actually, take a look at the, the letter that Jim wrote to the Northern Times. That kind of summarizes 
what the arguments were. And I think the challenge was this time, fortunately with Hope Matter, as Jim was vacating the seat, uh, the challenge that we have this time is to uh, help people understand how important and critical uh, this position is and how much of a financial impact it has in the decisions that it makes for the town. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions? I've always fought elected positions. And a little background, I, I have a degree in accounting from Suffolk. I was a treasurer lady union for 10 years. I was an employee of the Globe for 26 years. I was a in collections, national advertising. I am an also, I'm a real estate broker, real estate appraiser, auto dealer appraiser. So I have a fairly good background coming into this job. Uh, I've been the treasurer for 14 years. Uh, since I got here, we got a AAA rating for the first time ever. We are one of the top uh, collectors in the state as far as uh, real estate tax, taxes. We have one of the best rates. Uh, just going over, and Judy stole my thunder. Thank you, Judy. Uh, at appointed positions, it, you look at Brookline, he pay one hundred twenty-one thousand. Dedham pays one hundred fifteen thousand. Wellesley, one hundred sixteen thousand. Canton, one hundred fifty-two thousand. Uh, Attleboro's one hundred one hundred seven. Uh, Arlington will pay one forty-five. Uh, Burlington is one hundred twenty-three thousand. So they do. Other towns that appoint people do pay quite a bit, and they have to. I mean, right now there's about thirty treasure jobs in the state of Massachusetts that are open. And take, for example, Arlington. Arlington went to an appointed treasurer because Steve Gilligan, who was a long time the treasurer of Arlington, retired. And he couldn't get anybody to step up and run for that position. Since Arlington uh, went to an appointed position, they're going on the fifth treasurer since 2017. The town of Nelson had five treasurers in the last 90 years. So we've had a pretty good success rate of when you get an elected official in this town, they, they stick around and do the job. As far as cooperating, in my position, we cooperate with every department every day. Every department has to come to my office once a day to do turnovers. If they need help, they're going to get help. I work very closely with the health department on, on a lot of issues. The assessor's office, I mean, that. I talk to the assessor three, four, five times a day to help him out. It, and we do have a new assessor, he, and you know, he, he appreciates my input on a lot of the stuff. I mean, I've worked with Amy Dexter for years. I've been here through four, four county administrators, four county accountants. I can't tell you how many boards are. And so, I mean, Town treasurers, the previous town treasurers, Kevin Sorge, was there for 29 years. And we had the fiscal uh, management report, which I have here if you guys you know, want, to, want to take a look at it. It was done in uh, 2013. And I asked, I asked uh, exactly, came in, I said, why do you always recommend an appointed position? And he said, well, he says, the reason why is because a lot of towns don't have the populace to put up some disqualified to run for that position. I assure you, Milton does have people that step up all the time. As you can witness here, 
is this here with contingents on the top right. So I'll, I'll always be for having elected top treasurer. I mean, it, it, it was a study done, and I have it here, back in 2009. It was done by the, 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 the city of the town of Hingham. And the board of selectmen down the town of Hingham called, why can't you do it as cheap as Milton does it? Study, because we are, we are the, the leanest treasurer's office in the state between 25,000 people. So I employees in the office. And we do have the highest structure rate in the city for real estate taxes. So we, we do a pretty good job in the town of Milton. That's, that's the reason why I think we should remain. But you're not going to insult me because I'm a tax collector, I'm Irish, I'm impossible to insult. So decisions. Thank you. That's what it goes back to. Does anybody have any questions for Mr. McCullough? Mr. Neely. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I just want to reiterate uh, the, the, some of the points that have been made here. And that is that when the committee, the Town Government Study Committee, got into all of this and brought in the Department of Revenue with the recommendation of the Board of Selectmen and the School Committee, uh, clearly out of the 33 recommendations, one of the important ones was to centralize the financial management. And the fragmentation is something that is something that statewide cities and towns have faced. And the trend as you've heard tonight is clearly towards appointing a treasurer to be part of a team. And it's important, and I was a corporate treasurer for many years before I retired, and I was not reporting to the board of directors of the company separately. I reported through the CEO. And uh, that really is the way structures work, is that people get on the team and they all work under the direction of the chief executive officer. And in this case, uh, we're talking about this position reporting to the town administrator, and really, in terms of the compensation and structure of how the town's financial structure will be, once the position is located within the town administrator's purview, is the opportunity to align the jobs as they are going on and as they vacate over the years. And then certainly when you see the positions being paid higher amounts, in some cases, those positions have multiple responsibilities. So there is the ability to have directors of finance that, for example, are treasurer. So there's different structures that are available to be put together by the town administrator. And in some cases, you can see that the IT department reports to the CFO. So it is true that we have recommended three years ago, four years ago, that there be an assistant town administrator that would be the CFO. Uh, that's a position, I think, down the road that is needed, and the town should go in that direction. In the meantime, our committee recognized the town administrator was the de facto CFO. When we wrote the town administrator legislation and put it before town meeting that was approved and passed, we incorporated financial and budgetary leadership responsibilities into that town administrator's job description. Uh, that is something that requires, obviously, an involvement in all financial activities of the town, which would include the treasury activities. So we think it's uh, appropriate here, in this case, to go for an appointed position and you know, the committee and Prior years, your committee prior years has approved this, and we would ask that you approve that again. Thank you. So we, we do currently have a CFO in Dexter. Mr. Walker? Just uh, three quick final follow-ups. Uh, one is regarding the salary of the position. Uh, the question I would pose is, uh, how much are you willing to pay for 
a position that makes multi-million dollar decisions on a weekly basis. Would you be willing to pay $10,000 more, $20,000 more for uh, someone whose expertise might save uh, the town millions of dollars at a time? That's the first point. Second point is um, when we, we, we all love Jim and we all acknowledge the work that he's done over the years. If you go back to the stakeholder slide that I showed of all of those individuals we talked to, outside auditors, members of the audit committee, school committee, town administrator, every single individual that we talked to said they thought there was more benefit and more advantage for the town an appointed treasurer than an elected treasurer, except for Jim. Jim disagreed then, and uh, he still holds that position now. And then, then finally, I would encourage you, you can probably ask Nick to do this, um, to give you copies of the management letters that resulted from the town audit each year. I go back 12 or 15 years. Um, that'll give you a sense of um, clearly what they thought the issues were and where they thought the improvements could be. Thank you. I have a question. Oh, sure. Um, and I don't know if this is relevant, but if you are an elected, if you are an elected treasurer, can you hold another position outside of that job as treasurer? Like, could you have another? Can you have two sources of income? Like, could you be, so just understanding you said you're in real estate, like, could you be a realtor and a treasurer? Well, the law says you can't hold two municipal positions. Correct. Two public positions. Right, but you could have, a, you could have, two you could have a separate okay. private position. Okay. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not sure who to ask. So, clarify the reporting structure. The, trans, the proposal would be to report to the town administrator. So the treasurer would come in and report to Nick versus Amy. Well, that's yeah. Nick can resolve it. Nick can delegate that if he chooses. So. Do you have an answer? Sure, I can. I can. So, um, <laughs> 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 yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> and with then, we were working on a trust fund thing last week, and um, we have a debt issuance next week, and S&P is coming in on Thursday, so uh, I can speak to cooperation and collaboration with them, of course. Um, so I think there's two threads here. I think there's the long-term recommendation that um, Town Government Study Committee put forward, and I think there's kind of how we try to work within that kind of structure without necessarily getting there. So I think long-term, what you would see is Finance director, CFO, assistant district for finance, or some similar title along those lines. A treasurer, a town accountant, an appraiser, and there are staffs as well. So kind of how we've structured it in the meantime is we advertise that town accountant finance slash finance director role at um, the salary that we advertise with the job description that we describe it as in charge of the financial departments of the town. Um, I think long term, the intention would be if you know that's something we, we agree is the right solution is there would have to be additional 
employee somewhere within that structure, mm -hmm. or change the town's existing organizational chart to kind of move folks around accordingly. I, I think one thing that I've found since coming here is that a lot of our organizations and departments are flat. So example, the town accountant's office is the town accountant and then three employees who are all at the same level. So maybe in the future, we move that so there's ways and room for folks to progress up. And you know, we have some, we're building in succession planning for a long term. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of conversation to have long term, but I think right now, what would happen in reality is that the treasurer would report to the town administrator, and I've I've kind of delegated that in our structure that we're working with to the town council finance director. If that is helpful, just to try to be transparent. How, how does Amy get to put into this? I mean, I'm confused now. So she's the town council finance director presently. Okay, um, temporary. Well, no, currently that's 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 her title. Okay. So this person, if we appoint somebody, or you hire somebody, to get they report to her, or would they be above her? So I, I think the goal with setting up her job is that we would get to there at some point. So I think that's still something we're working through. Um, we're structuring it that I'm the appointing authority, um, who they report to on a day to day basis. So a week to week basis might might change depending on how yeah. how we're going. Who are we hiring? Where are we hiring? Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, a little bit to be determined, but I think we're, we're trying to have not just myself as um, on a day-to-day -day level running the financial department. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Is yeah, that I'm providing overall direction, but on the day-to-day -day level, it would, it would not necessarily reside in my office, um, although involved um, regularly. I have a question that I don't know. Tell me about the schools, because this sounds like consolidation, more efficiency is going there, uh, cooperation, if you will. We couldn't get more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. However, uh, what this, this, are the schools, is there a whole, where, where are the schools handled? In, sure. Within your department here as well? So there's, so the overall town budget, which incorporates the Milton Public Schools, is um, obviously, in terms of developing the budget, doing projections, doing for financial forecasting, that scope of work happens on the town side and our side of the house. In terms of managing the school budget, they have Glenn uh, Pavich, currently serving as their um, finance director, the assistant student. I don't know if it's quite town, I should know it, but yeah, uh, assistant yeah. superintendent. So that in that position is, you'll see that in school districts across. The state that's that's pretty standard is the town will have their financial arms and the school will have um you know the superintendent and typically some type of an assistant superintendent for business and finance um the town of winthrop i will note just in the last month posted what they called a cfo and is serving as and they've identified it as the town and school cfo that is very unusual and um they were marketing it especially being about that so it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out um, and see how that works and it might be a model to look to for a long term um, but that is a very unusual um, so just in terms of um, there's a lot of work on both sides so there would need to be people in these roles um, but um, we can look to what other communities are doing in terms of um, and 
and I'm not suggesting that. No, no, it's a good question. Yeah. People need to, but if you're looking at you know School, consolidation yeah. and working together and all. School finance is very complicated and niche in between the federal programs, the state programs, all the reporting requirements. I, I just think that's that's a very specific and, and important set of skills that um, might always need to be kind of done a little bit separately. So those are two really important questions. So on the first one, this is whether this individual reports to Nick from the, from the short term in the absence of the CFO or to the finance director slash town accountant. That's important from a recruitment standpoint because the individual, the most qualified individuals would want to report to the town administrator. So you'll have to figure that out. That's a really important question. The second one is important too on the schools and the recommendation that we put forward at the time with, with the CFO structure was that the assistant superintendent for business would have a dotted line relation, reporting relationship to the CFO, to the town CFO. And the superintendent at the time uh, agreed with it. Again, with this structure, I'm not sure that works, but but clearly there needs to be, if you if you have someone who, who you say is the chief financial officer of the town, they've got to have some uh, relationship with and influence over the schools. It's a separate budget. They have a school committee, it's a, they have a bottom line budget, so we know all of those things are true. But in order for the, for this to work, they would have to have that some relationship with that, that individual. So, but again, that was that was predicated on a CFO structure. CFO reports to the town administrator, dotted line relationship from the schools to the CFO. Not sure if that works with the current structure, but important question. You, you might have already said this, but just so I understand it. So as an elected position, is there a reporting structure? Like, is there anybody who is, quote, unquote, their boss? No. Okay. That's what I, the but, people, the, the, the people are, but that, the, the way this. The government solved it. Treasurer, 90% of it is getting by mass general law. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly structured job. Mm -hmm. And they do cooperate with you would agree if the answer to her question is no. Report to? Well, responsible to the town spaces, responsible to the responsible to the town administrator. In terms of the reporting relationship, they don't have a boss. The boss, as you say, is the voters. Well, reporting, I mean, I guess. needs any information, give me a call, email me, or. I'm at the desk seven to five every day. Feel free to stop by. You may have to sit outside the office. It's very small. <laughs> I see that Judy has her hand up. Judy, do you have a question? Um, I do. And I seem to be stuck on um, the, the competition of these two different positions. Does our elected town treasurer and I didn't resources, do they follow in the structure where um, they have health benefits from the town, pension benefits from the town, which yeah. would be similar to an appointing position where those would be included in the compensation package? That's yes, and although we don't get sick days on vacation time. Oh, on the job all the time. 
Put it on the ship. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? I have just one one question. I should know this, so I apologize, but I can't remember. Um, with it being an elected position currently, and I know Nikki mentioned that whether or not it's appointed, the money could be an issue going forward. Have there typically been multiple candidates, or have you often been unopposed? I just can't remember. If it's... Uh, when Kevin Sawyer retired, I ran against, there were about six people, and now Dr. Finally, three of them dropped down, and it was between three of us. Okay, and then since then, has it mostly been unopposed, or it's there... been unopposed since then? Since then, okay. Thank you. That's super helpful. And almost side note: the three of the treasurers, one state was Back Park, one was Holmes, one was Lydia. The old streets in the town named after them. It's the least we can do. Yeah. <laughs> but then you and Kevin are going to have to fight for it. Kevin Swords is on the phone, Jamie. All right. Any questions? We're going to lose them soon. All right, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Would we like to have a discussion with regards to the proposed article? I see that Jay has his hand up. Jay. Yes. Uh, hello. Um, I, I've got some information I'd like to share. Can I share my screen? I've got a uh, bit of a presentation I put together. Of course. It okay. might take us a second to get it up, but we can do it. All right. Jamie, you have that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you see my screen? I so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Look at, look at my notes. Like I, I look at you and you're like this. And, I'm like, and the nice cursive writing too, which it's I did. the only way that I... It reminds me of like I when I was attention. No, this looks like a Jackson Pollock. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Dr. Um, Scratch. Like, you know. <laughs> okay, uh, can you see my screen? Yep. Yep. But the okay. Is the captain. It's got a map on one side and Sigourney Weaver on the other side. Okay. So, yeah, I, I'll start out by saying that I, I'm coming into this evening in support of this, uh, in support of this proposition. I supported it five years ago, and, you know, at least until I hear the rest of the discussion, I'm supporting it now. Uh, I've got a map on the left-hand side of all the towns of Massachusetts that currently elect their treasurer. Uh, it's not a whole lot there inside 495, as you can tell. Uh, but that's, that's not what I wanted to get to. What I wanted to say was that... Um, one thing I heard a lot five years ago when we discussed this previously was that a lot of people say electing a treasurer makes them accountable to the voters. In fact, we just heard two people say their boss is the voters. Uh, and that takes me to the picture on the right. So I've got a question now. No cheating. Don't look at your phones. I've got a question for everyone in the room. What year did the movie Alien come out? Who said that? Who said 1979? That was amazing. 
Okay, I, I can't see the room, but whoever said that, I'm very impressed with your Yes, that is correct. The, the movie Alien came out in the year 1979. 1979 was also the year that the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack won the Grammy for Album of the Year. It was a big night for the Bee Gees. They won four Grammys. They were the big winners that evening. It was also the year that Christopher Reeve made his debut as Superman. And, of course, it was the year that Three Mile Island had its meltdown. But possibly even more relevant to the discussion we're having right now is that 1979 was the last time anyone in an election challenged an incumbent Milton treasure. This gets to the question that Emily asked just a couple minutes ago. Does anyone actually run against the incumbent Milton treasures? Not since 1979. Uh, if I can scroll ahead a little bit. I went to the library, did a little bit of research, and looked back to the 1940s. I stopped at that point because I just got tired. Just to look at what's been the history of Milton electing its treasures from sometime before 1943 to 1963. For over 20 years, we had a Mr. Whittier. He ran unopposed until the end of his tenure, 1960 and 1961. But Whittier started in 1933. Oh. I could not understand any of that. Clyde Whittier started in 1933. 1933. Okay, so we got 30 years there. Okay. Both times that he was contested at the end, he won by a landslide. Then we had Graziani running from 1964 to 1977. Never once did anyone run against him. We have Mr. Scanlon, who's only in for three years. He was contested in 1979. The incumbent won handily, but then he left the job. Then, as we said, there's Kevin Sorge. Someone said 29 years. My math might be off by a little bit. Let's say more or less 28 or 29 years. Not once did anyone run against him. And then Mr. McAuliffe has been in here 14 years. Again, maybe I'm off by a year or so. Not contested even once. So what does that, when people say the treasurer is accountable to the voters, it's hard to be accountable to the voters if the voters don't get a choice in the elections. So once you get elected treasurer in Milton, you stay there with no one running against you for as long as you want. So if this doesn't pass, and if we have an open election for treasurer this April, and we don't make this change, we better really hope whoever wins that election is really good because that person could easily, we could be stuck with them for 20 years. And I'd say this makes sense because Nick said earlier that making this change will open us up to a broader pool of applicants. And when he said it, I thought it was in the tone of they don't have to be a resident of Milton. But I think it's even more than that of a broader pool of applicants because right now, who could run for treasurer in Milton? Let's say you're a Milton resident and you're a financial professional and you have a job, but you want to be Milton treasurer. How, how would that work? Well, you would go to your boss in January and say, boss, I'm going to run in an election three months from now. And if I win, I'm quitting the next day because my next job, my new job starts the next day. And if I lose, I'm staying here. That's, that's tough. As a financial professional, that's a tough way to run your career. 
And I can understand why no one since the release of Pink Floyd's album, The Wall, has decided to run their career that way. It's just, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a way for a financial professional to act. Whereas if it was a hired position, from time to time, we'd be looking for people. Those people could apply for the job. They'd get it or they wouldn't. And, you know, that, that's how people run their career. Um, so that, that, that's the main thing I wanted to say. Also, you know, again, on the, on the idea of being accountable to the voters, as Mr. Walker said earlier, how are they accountable to voters if we don't know what the treasurer is doing? I, I think the treasurer is doing a good job, but I don't know. I'm just a voter. I don't know what the treasurer does. I'd much rather have the treasurer report to a boss who is down the hall from them and knows what they do every day, knows that they're doing a good job, can set up annual reviews, can set up goals and and timelines for them and, and know if they meet those goals or not. That that seems more like what a financial professional should be doing. Um, and I'll end this with just one more slide. I started with the slide of all the towns that had an elected Treasurer, well, this is a map with both sorts of towns, all the towns with elected treasurer and all the towns with appointed treasurer. And certainly, just because everyone else is doing it isn't a reason we need to do it, but uh, certainly makes you think that it might be a good idea. So I will stop sharing at this point and uh, look forward to the discussion. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Uh, Judy, is your hand back up again? Judy. Can you reach the mic? Judy, you are recognized. Judy, we think you might Sorry, I, I'm good now. I'm good now. Um, to Jay's point about his great presentation of um, our town treasurers seem to have longevity of service in that position. And it appears that they're not, that the voters don't notice what they're doing. But from Mr. McCall's presentation, he has data that shows Milton is one of the higher um, higher achieving towns in tax collection. So there is data to be observed from this elected position if anyone really wants to pursue it and find it. So it may not be direct accountability to the voters where we all run down, hey, what's Jim doing or Kevin doing? We would have a resource of what they are doing because he has to have reports. So or the elected position would have to have reports. If you really wanted to, you could go roaming through those reports to get an idea of how well an elected um, official would be functioning in that position. Just a thought after seeing your great presentation, Jay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Judy.
I, I, I like the idea of an elected official. I feel like they're, you know, all of the points that were made, but also to almost to what Judy was saying, um, I don't want to have to go do that. Like, I don't, that's like a line of business that that's like, it's so in the weeds that that's a bigger part of town government that I think should be, there should be, there should be a framework for it. There should be a structure for it. There should be a reporting structure. And I'm just having a very hard time wrapping my head around sort of, I just keep picturing something here and then sort of a satellite over here and, and not that it, it implies that there isn't cooperation, but it's not inherent in the structure and it's not, I don't know, the, the accountability piece just feels um, there, like there is not as much to me. And I just, I just, it just makes a lot of sense from an efficiency standpoint in the way that you run. I mean, it's a, it's a town business and the way that you would run a business is that would be part of the reporting structure, so. We, we do get audited every year. And last year we did not have one qualified opinion, but now it's a thing we could have a lot of. And it's not even run very well. I think that's a testament to you. I, that's the only, we need to clone the people that have been here in the past that have done an amazing job. And, and I think that's the, the concern would be, what if we don't get a you? Right. I mean, that, what's your, I. A bunch of treasurers too, a lot of them, they'll fall from town to town, whoever's paying the highest amount of money is what they're gonna do all, especially for the last three years, so they can get around this pension. Elected credit, appointed treasurers don't stick around long. Mm -hmm. That's. And if you, if you go on the, the uh, MMA web, website, on Mass Treasurer's website, there's 30 jobs out there. Yeah. Anybody wants them? And a lot of them pay a lot more than that, a lot of them pay right now. And, and they're, they're vacant. They've been vacant for a while. I'd be curious to see that data of somebody who is an elected versus an appointed, how long they stay. Yeah. Because um, that's something. Yeah, if you go onto that the Raptors website, they'll show uh, treasurers that have left the position and treasurers that moved on to another position. And you connect the dots. I mean, they go they, from a smaller top to a bigger top to a bigger top to a bigger top. So I just have a comment. We've got a, probably a new school in front of us, two more fire stations, one already funding. There's a huge amount of financial. Uh, funding that's going to be need to be done, a lot of bonds and things, and I think if we hire a professional to do the job to appoint somebody that actually does that for a living, I think we have a lot better chance of getting through this as opposed to electing somebody that maybe have some accounting experience and maybe some treasury experience, but I think we could find a much, much better candidate that has all those different experiences that we need if we hire somebody and appoint them as opposed to elect them. I just think it, it opens up so much more opportunity I mean, even if you got to pay somebody 152000 was the highest I heard, that we're talking tens of millions of dollars we're going to spend, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars we're going to spend over the next few years on all these new infrastructure things in town. <clears throat> it's, it's short money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the highest of last year was $160,000. Right. You look like you want to say something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with Steve. All right. That's it. I think I agree with Steve, too. I think, and a lot of what's being said, I think maybe this goes back to the issue of, like, 
elected positions really working well when it's policy mm -hmm. and that this isn't policy. Mm -hmm. And I think we have been really fortunate. So this isn't about who's been in the role right. in the past. Yeah. Agreed. But sometimes you're just lucky and you can't rely on that going forward. Um, because I just, and the reason why I didn't know if it had been competitive, I suspected it hadn't been a competitive race because when there are multiple candidates, I know as a voter and I don't know about all of you, but like I looked them up. When there's one person every year, I don't bother honestly because there isn't a choice. So even if I don't agree with what they're doing, there's no alternative because unless there is a really coordinated campaign for a write-in, like write-ins don't, change anything. So I just, I think that accountability piece, again, we've been lucky and this isn't about what's happened in the past, but I don't really think it's, and Jay really demonstrated that, that once someone's in, there isn't the accountability piece because it's not a competitive position. So I think, I mean, that's just more to say, I agree with what I'm hearing around the table. Wheels are spinning, Tom. Out with it. No, I think this is a this is a difficult decision. I think um, there's a lot at stake here. I think for all the points that everyone's brought up, um, you know, I've noticed these most recent comments. I think um, Jim McGall, the treasurer, is in a minor drought at this time, as has his, the predecessors before him. Um, Tom Bielop is obviously very helpful. I think the local touch is great. Um, and I do like the independence of the office. I mean, that treasurer is going to run every year. They haven't tried to get rid of an employee for not doing a good job. They don't voluntarily leave. So I don't know. I, I, I've been weighing all of, all of these things. And um, you know, I, I, as I stated in the prior meeting, I, I am very concerned about um, of Hamilton and the spending and you know the projects that we're looking at in our, our revenue stream. So you know, not so much a, just just a, maybe kind of my ideas and some of the points that were raised here. You know, it's, um, is I do like the independence of your office. I think that is a good thing. Um, but can I ask you why? I guess that's where I. In other positions, I can understand the idea of independence. I'm not understanding the need for independence in a treasurer's role. Well, a lot of it is driven by statute and things that have mm -hmm. to some of the things. A lot of the stuff is you have to do it to comply. So it's right. not really. But I think as, what I'm thinking was uh, that idea and statement came from, I think, the conversation here by some of the panelists. Right. Standing rules and CFOs and and everything else we have is like this structurally of the town administrator also involved. So I, I just think that maybe the standalone and allowing to do the statutory job is is the best thing. But like I said, that's just one point. Right. Because there's so much more there. Right. You know, in terms of the bonds and everything mm -hmm. else. So, you know, that's what I'm weighing. Yeah, no, and I wasn't arguing with you. I just oh, no, didn't I, understand I, the, I don't understand the independence point on this particular role, I guess. I think more it's a, I think from the, so I think it, it combined being two statements, it's just really that they, they are answering the two roles. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. You know, they, 
Also, what we are treasurer, they, they, they do have a school up here, you have to attend. And after you attend it for so many years, you sit for the test. And right now, I am a certified master municipal collector and master municipal treasurer. I've passed all the tests, so I've gone to the school and so many there. And I encourage any treasurer that comes in to go to, to go to school every year to keep up their credentials and I mean, it, when, you, when you go to school, you also meet the other treasurer to see how they're doing, see what works for them. I mean, it, and it, with the treasurers too, if you have a question, you call any treasurer in the state, they will drop whatever they're doing and they will help you out. They're, they're, I mean, there's only 351 of us in the state. Any other questions? Hearing none, is there a motion on the floor? A motion to accept the proposition. Is there a second? Second. By Steve. Madam Secretary, would you conduct the roll call vote, please? All right, Jay. Yes. is mine. Uh, have it. So the motion carries. The yeses have it. And that will be the recommendation of the warrant committee to the special town meeting. Thank you all for coming to us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Can I just say one more question? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> now, now that we've uh, been taken, the warrant committee commenting is critical. So happy to help in any way that I can. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm sorry? Yeah, I mean, right. I tell you what, we'll get to that. It's on our agenda to deal with town meeting issues. Um, let's go back to Article 3, which was the school. Okay, so we'll reopen that discussion now. We had a, a lengthy conversation on that on Monday. One of the things that we did was we kicked it to tonight to give ourselves more time to get an update. We've got an update. We don't have, <laughs> you know, a number. What are our thoughts on that? 
you know, the options that we have is to continue the conversation to vote. Um, we have one more scheduled more committee meeting before our comments are due, which is next Wednesday. And is that when the select board is meeting? So would there really be any new information between now and Maybe. Be Nick, it, it's our, our understanding that you're in the middle of the negotiations now. It is possible that be, that at prior to, if we were to convene at 7 o'clock next Wednesday, we could have a number? Yes, I, I think the logistics that we face now is that the select board is meeting that same night. So if this is something that we could possibly convene urgently before then if, if we needed to. Um, but we're, we're waiting feedback from the sisters and once we have something, we'll report to the select board and if it's out of place that we can share it, we will do so immediately. So as soon as we're, we're able to get something out there publicly, we'll share that. I have a question regarding the article. Um, can I ask why the term em eminent domains um, in the article? Sure, that's um, the land acquisition articles that the town has used previously. It was copied and pasted, but the only change is changing the different locations. Like the, the last land acquisition the town did in terms of the purchase was for um, 432 Abbey Street for the Fire Station. That's the same article copied and pasted with the address change. So it's the point of the articles is to give a broad subject for any potential um, votes and, and discussion at town meeting. Um, so that just, that's the context. If the Warren Committee has concern with that phrasing in there, like we can certainly go back to the select board and go back to town council to, to inquire if it's necessary. But that's that's the genesis of the article. Sure. Go ahead. No, go ahead, your hand was up. Is there, so if you think about an understanding, like numbers can't be put in like prior to there being um, a, a deal, right? So an appraisal is being done. Is there, are there, um, I guess, guidelines within the town on if something is valued at X, you could only go within this range of like um, price. So say something was worth $8 million and appraised at $8 million. Is there anything within the town? Um, is there anything in there that says you, when doing Not something exceeding. like this, you can only go up 20% or, you know, above the appraised value. Do you know what I mean? I, I assume not, but just is there, as we're thinking about like this, you know, the, the comment blank check was used before. Is there anything inherent in the structure and the way that you, that, that business is done that wouldn't allow, even allow that. Does so that make sense? Under procurement law for cities and towns, the, for towns, I should say, actually cities are slightly different. So for us to buy land, we have to post it publicly. The main way for us to buy land um, is for us to issue a request for proposals, property owners respond to that proposal with the proposal. The town would then, in terms of doing good business, conduct an appraisal. There's nothing, to my knowledge, to prevent the town from overpaying for property. Um, it's a public process. It's a public proposal. If you responded to the proposal for clean five acres of land instead of $20 million, 
sheriff of town, if you know, not necessarily mm -hmm. saying it's good business, but right. I don't think legally there's a restriction um, on that piece of it. So the appraisal is more just so that there's a comfort level that what we're paying for is fair market value. Right. Um, in terms of what's publicly out there about this transaction is, as I indicated in the last meeting, it was listed at eight and a half million dollars. When the Sisters of St. Joseph responded to our RFP, that was a public document and they submitted a proposal at seven and a half million dollars with conditions. Mm -hmm. So now it's a question of where is the town gonna land in relation to the proposed purchase price and proposed conditions. Okay, thank you. So that's kind of that's a ballpark. Steve, so I'm in the same boat as I was on Monday. I, I don't feel comfortable saying yes to something that I don't know a dollar value, what the remediation costs potentially could be. And I think it's, it's bad business to, to do that. Now, will we get um, approval for, like, will we be discussing the development if we agree to this, eight, let's say whatever it comes out to. So if we agree to buy Fonbon, my concern is the cost of the construction. Additionally, we still have a need to develop Pierce or there's going to be that. So my my thought is we need to be concerned with the taxpayers. We're in an inflation where we have many people posting online even for about groceries. I mean, this is like the reality of where we're at. So to see these costs adding up, um, my concern is not only just buying it for 8.5, it's the development and then still coming back and saying, well, we, we have an overcrowding in um, Pierce. What are we doing about that? Oh, let's go back to you know, other avenues that we've gone down before. So unless we are create, creating a solution with that construction and additionally to Pierce at that same time, which would make the most sense to me, are we, um, what, where are we at with, you know, making sure that that all gets accomplished? So that's fine. I also don't, I mean, if the, if like what you said the other night is, you know, this may take the burden off the younger grades, but it's not addressing, you know, kind of what I see is the most overcrowded age group, which is, you know, like my daughter in sixth grade. I don't, like, I, I'm a single parent, like, it's very expensive right now, you know, and I think I talk to patients, they're elderly, like their medications are expensive. They're like, they can't afford medications. So I think going to people once for an override, maybe it passes. If we're coming back a second time, like I don't see that. So I think if this is like step one, maybe that override passes, but I don't think, I don't know if we'll get a second shot at this. So I worry if this is like, kind of just like plugging the hole we may not be able to like, as we were saying, like that just people maybe can't afford it. Um, so I don't know, that's kind of where I'm at. To back Kristen too in that, I, I'm okay agreeing to Fonfon if we're gonna do an addition on Pierce, but if you're gonna come back and look to build a school after this with a, I think you're asking these taxpayers to but it's too much. That's too much. It's, it's just like, I mean, you can't. So I would have to know that construction wise, we would be doing that elementary study. I don't know why that we wouldn't be proposing that at the same time we would do bonbon because that addresses all of our issues. I agree with you. Yeah. Thank you. The thing that concerns me is that the tail on the debt, it goes from 75 to to $100 per family or for home 
just for 20 that. plus years and you look at the amortization of all these other debts that are out there fire stations taking on that debt service for all that mm -hmm. um that is a rising concern for me personally too i know we, we chatted about this as well and, um we need more efficient office i think that's what peter's coming I have a question. So, or just a point, and I'm not disagreeing. I think the difficulty is there isn't an alternative before us. So, you know, I know that they're talking about the parallel paths. They're talking about continuing with Guile Road, continuing with this until one, until one can't, you know, until one rises to be it. I mean, it seems like ideally if Guile Road could happen, that seems like the, it's answering all the questions, but there's been a lot that won't allow it to happen. I think about the point that Sean brought up the other day, which the fact that there's actually a parcel of land for, oh, I think for Milton to purchase it. is yeah. crazy. But but if we're buying it... But did, I but guess the question saying, is, do they bring back the construction costs? Does that come back to us? I don't know that that's going to be yes. there. But is that going to... Yeah. Are we going to know that before we have to... Before that's... I, th I, th no, I think, think that's... The question for us now, like right, did with this article, is buying the property. Right, right. So then, and part of our process with regards to whether we want to buy the property is we have the best estimates that we can get at this time. Right. Because again, we're, we're running. You know, these negotiations are happening in real time. Ideally, we wouldn't be, you know, eight days from our deadline or whatever it is, right? But, you know, so they're working with the numbers that they have. So we're back in the envelope to some degree on what the expectations of the overall would be. But the question before us in this article is buy the land. Right. Okay. And then it's it will go it would be on the ballot for the um, like annual town meeting. Right. Because they'd have right. to it would have to be the money and the question of the debt exclusion. And then later would come the cost and that would be an override. So in terms of sequencing, so it would be special town meeting in February to approve purchase of the land and the dollar value of it and that would be a debt exclusion. April town election vote on whether or not to approve the debt exclusion. And then a May town meeting, the one articles that uh, Mr. Zulis and, and Mr. Rook referenced last um, meeting about having some guy road articles as placeholders and seeing where those go. But in addition to that would be a proposed article to appropriate additional funds to the school building committee to conduct the study and um, design of a facility at Pompon. That again would need town meeting approval. And that would only get you to, to a design stage. And then it would come back if the design is complete. And this is the, the path the fire station project followed as well. There was design money appropriated. Then the full construction project would be brought back to town meeting. Um, for approval, and that would likely also be a debt exclusion, so also ballot testing. So, as you can see, there's going to be additional approvals down the road for each kind of phase of the project, and that would track with um, the fire station actually pretty closely as to what their process was. It was design in 2019, um, approval for construction in 2021. So, yeah, I think uh, Kristen made a really good point. If sorry, uh, Jay, um, if if this goes through and passes and the voters approve it and we get the override and then we bought the land, well, then we look at renovating the building and I'm not sure how much that would cost, but 
you know, what, let's say the estimate comes in higher than we expect, or for whatever reason, you know, we're going to have to do another override to renovate the building and make it useful. And if that second over, first override passes and second override doesn't pass, then we bought the land and we bought an empty building and we can't use it. I, uh, so that brings me back to one thing. I was thinking after after this last meeting, I was sort of walking away mystified, thinking we don't really know. Do we have an estimate for a timeline? Like we say, well, we compare this to the John Root option, it's fast. But can we have some estimate of, is it a year from September? Is it when? Two years from September? And can we have some estimate of the of the money? I mean, maybe that will have to wait. I, 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 sorry if I'm rambling a bit. I think, I know we're doing inspection now. I don't think the inspection is going to tell us, is it full of asbestos? Is it full of lead paint? I think that's going to probably have a big influence on the cost. But I feel a lot better voting for this, let's call it $8 million to buy the land, if we had some sense of, here's the timeline. It'll be ready in September of this year. And here's big picture of what we think it'll cost. Uh, I, I don't even know if that answer would change my vote. Maybe I'll vote yes, no matter what you say. But I'd certainly sleep better if I knew yeah, you told us when it will be ready, as opposed to, oh, it'll be ready sometime. It'll be faster than the Jar Road option. So, that's all. Thank you. I apologize. I was presenting to the school committee, and they had, you guys have dueling meetings at the same time, so I apologize about that. Um, in regards to the timeline for the school, um, that's partially why we're hiring DRA to look at this, to do it. Um, we know there's you know, essentially going to be comparisons of this project against the our road project. And mainly, you know, we can confidently say that you know, it will be done faster. Exactly how much faster. There were too many boxes to check before we can start construction, right? So we have to get all the votes in line. Once we get the votes in line to actually just acquire the property, there's additional funding for design and architectural services that also have to pass a vote. So, you know, if you if we green light all of those, you know, I mean, we can start thinking of what that construction timeline looks like. But at this point right now, I can't answer that. Cost-wise, though, wouldn't it make the most sense if we're buying materials to look at, if we have an overcrowding at Pierce, to Kristen's point, to do that same project and do one override that addresses the Pierce Middle School, as well as building out this swamp on? That could be so. So with Fonfon, once we acquire that, you know that's a tangible option sure. that we can do. Yeah, that is something that's part of like once we bring the architects and engineers on, we we can put that as part of their scope that they're doing. Okay, because that would I think make a lot of for me my decision making and going forward with Fonfon in a quicker timeline and addressing the crowding at peers rather than the long term. You know, obviously they're going to be compared as what you just said. Yep. So I I think that fulfills the need for where we're at and cost-wise because if you do pump on to my that point of doing overrides and then still say we have an issue and we're you know we need to go and build a school another middle school well then here we are at multiple overrides and cost-wise that these taxpayers cannot you know incur if you get all the votes like how long would it take from there can you tell us that? 
frame to think of it because we'd be renovating the space. My my guess would be about three years. Three years? Yeah. If 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 you're asking me right now for a timeline, I know you guys appreciate this, you know, overall communication. My guess would be about three years, you know, after we get the project, the design is done, you break ground or start construction. Two to three years, somewhere in that time frame. And Guile Road, if you got all of those. So we've got the Guile Road lined up after all the approvals are done starting from scratch. My goal is for four years. Four years. Oh. Is Guile, isn't Guile Road one that boats? Isn't that, there's still exactly. issues that we have to deal with. I, I'm not just yeah. trying to get, if, if we're oh, just starting from construction. You got but, a legal problem that you have to go No, I get it. That's yeah, why, that's uh, why, you know, again, someone said bird in the hand and we'll do it on or whatever it is. <laughs> I think that's weighing really heavily on my mind too because that project sounds like it would resolve more of our problems but what if we didn't get comp on and then there's a legal issue there that's insurmountable and we have nothing and we have we have problems at like every level almost right now other than the high school it seems like and what if we end up with nothing <laughs> I think like, we should buy the land no matter what. And yeah. even if it doesn't get renovated, we're right. still an investment. Obviously, you could flip that and make money off of it. Bottom line, my concern, again, it will come back to the fact that we still have issues. We need to address the Pierce issue. I'm not, I, we can't endure all this cost. My biggest concern about trying to acquire a flood bond is how much lead's there, how much asbestos is there, how much remediation needs to be done to the soil. And we could be buying a dinosaur basically for eight million dollars that you're gonna have to put another twenty just to remediate it. We don't know. That building's been there for a long time. Guarantee it's got lead paint in it. Guarantee there's asbestos in it based on the age of it. I don't know what else is wrong with it. I haven't walked through it or anything, so I don't know. I would hopefully we at least do some minimal inspection before we sign a purchase and sales agreement or we had the legal words in there that we have an opportunity back out of it if we run into this huge remediation. It's like we, we, we bought the piece of land down by the harbor. We don't need that, all that soil there is all needs to be remediated someday if somebody wants to build on it because it's all full of oil and grease and things from the, from the boatyard there. So uh, I just think we're running at something and not doing the right diligence to get there before we just go and say, write a check for $8 million. So just, I worry about that. So, yeah, sorry, so just one of the clarifications, to your point, one of the clarifications on the feasibility study they're not doing has to have analysis of it. They, they are. They're not. They're not. Mainly due to the timing of it right now. We're, we're, we've got them on board now. I actually have a meeting with them tomorrow morning. Uh, but we're asking them to do all this within a four to six week window. But they can't do a full half time analysis on that. We have the intention uh, for that, like I, I gave the presentation on Monday, it's, it's a level three. Judy, your hand Thank is up. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Jay. I have a question um, as sort of an add-on to what I'm learning about buying phone home. I didn't fully understand debt exclusion. And I'm just going to make a silly example. And if um, Mr. Milano can correct me if I understood this properly. So we buy it. 
debt exclusion passes in my particular property gets assessed um, $10 per year for 20 years. Is that a flat rate throughout the town or like we have 100 properties that can be assessed at $10 each or how do you come to the point you debt exclusion and let's just pretend it's $100. We have 100 properties in town to levy this assessment to. So everyone gets a dollar increase in their tax. Is, is that how I see debt exclusion? Or is it on a sliding scale of um, how we have taxes now? So much per thousand for each property. So, so in other words, is it flat or sort of sliding? If you can understand what I'm trying to say. No, I do. So it's, it is the latter, it's, it's more sliding. So what would happen is the amount of debt service would be added to the town's overall tax levy, which will then be used to come up with the town's tax rate. And then, um, so each household based on their valuation would pay a different amount. And when I use the numbers between 75 and $100 a year, that is based on the average single family house, which is valued at over $900,000. So that's, it would be less for houses below that valuation, more for houses above that valuation. Um, so it's, it's just a component of how we get to our tax rate at the end of the day. Um, it would be a similar exercise if there was an operating override or a similar exercise when it comes time to approve the project in its full um, and say it's a you know, 35, $50 million project, we would do the math out and be able to provide an analysis of what that might mean for different houses at different valuations for what the tax rate and tax implications would be long-term. So it's a sliding scale because it all just goes into the the, sing, the tax rate that is developed for the town for all taxpayers. Everybody pays something slightly different based on your valuation. Thank you. Just a, a so quick follow-up. So we sort of do this for 20 years. And so at the end, we've reached 20 years. Is there a way ta taxpayers can see if their tax rate went down because they no longer have that increase because the 20 years has been fulfilled. <laughs> I know. Uh, so typically the levy will increase each year every, you know, by what we're allowed to increase it under Prop 2 and a half. So it would just mean in the year where the taxes roll off, um, the, you know, the increase will be slightly less than that full two and a half percent because some figure falls off. And this, this project won't be as noticeable because it's, it's a smaller amount, something like a school project when that rolls off. Um, folks might notice it that the taxes didn't feel to go up as much as they do earlier. That we, uh, the fire station got approved, right? So it never fell off. That, yeah. The, so, the stabilization, there's a stabilization from that. That is a very different setup and it's a lot more confusing. I'm happy to talk about it if you would like to, but it's, it's a little tricky. That's those were approved as debt exclusions and then the town approved kind of. Um, special legislation to, to actually lock them into place. So those are not rolling off like they might have otherwise if the, the town didn't approve that special legislation. Is it only for those two specific projects? Correct. Okay, so if we do the eight and a half, this is a then new it's way. gonna yep. fall off, it's still yep. fall off in yep. 20 years. This so would be a traditional. Exactly, it's a traditional debt exclusion. So um, it will roll off after it's fully paid off, after the bond is fully paid off. And can you 
talk about the fire station project. So there was the plan with the school and library money mm -hmm. that it would fund like 2.3 million yep. plus and plus minutes of the fire station. What is the total on the fire station? So the way the three or the one? No, I'm sorry. I just I just went out on with Nick. No, fifty is the maximum they could take from Elmwood. So there's a few different components here. So a few years ago, the town approved what is being was referred to colloquially as the Harley Amendment. So that was um, it was taking all of the town's debt service payments associated with the prior school and library projects as of fiscal year 2018, and that would be locked in on um, the tax rolls. So unlike the traditional debt exclusion, they wouldn't roll off once they are fully paid off. Instead, the town would continue to tax at that level as of fiscal 2018, take that money, put it into a special fund. Um, the money in that special fund, per the special legislation, was only allowed to be used for future debt associated with fire station projects or DPW yard projects. And the cap was the principal on those projects could not be more than $50 million. So essentially there's two caps. There's a cap on the project principal, the projects of the fire station that the DPW can't exceed $50 million in totality. But there's a second cap that you have $2,329,000, which is a fiscal 2018 assessment, that your debt service, the intention would not to have your debt service be above that because the, the explanation to the voters was that we would you know, keep it at that level to pay for these projects. So there wouldn't be and need to be future that uh, tax increases related to those projects because we're going to put money aside to pay for them later. So that's how that is set up. It's pretty unique. That's why it requires special legislation. So will we not see another any other tax increases related to any of the three prices? I that's the intention. Okay. I, if the projects cost more than fifty million dollars or they cost more than they're supposed to earlier. I, so it's, okay. if, it, if everything meets, stays within that early amendment schedule and prediction, then the, the intention was that not to really stay. Yeah. And, and so if, it does, if it does, I quit. Do <laughs> 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 you have any idea I'm what it looks like now? So we're going, we're going to the first station, which is headquarters, which is being built. The committee has voted to move to Smoking next because we're acquiring the land, it's, I think, the committee's looking at it next year. Um, and, oh, wow, um, that was moved up a lot. Yeah, well, purchasing the land versus rehabbing the existing yes. building is the same way yes. the other made a big, um, made a big difference in this. And then I, I don't know what the window is going to be. With both the window's timeline and second the numbers for, for Athens. But Athens will be first. Okay. And so that's part of actually um, what the treasurer and the I have been working on together has been looking at when East Milton would fit within the parameters that we've laid out in terms of the debt service staying in the fund being sufficient to pay for it all. Yeah. So it's part of the timing of, of the fire station project. Yeah. Thank you. I have a general question. Like, is, we have this timeline, and a lot of our concern is just about this artificial deadline that we have about the common, right? As a practical matter, though, you your office to town is already vested with the authority to sign a PNS on our behalf. Is that correct? The select board can enter into purchase and sale agreements, but they would have to be contingent upon. Contingent upon. Yep. So a lot of our concern is self-imposed. Like 
we can continue to meet following the creation of the warrant regularly, repetitively, <laughs> if we have to, right? Because we're not holding you up from entering into a PNS contingent upon. Yeah, the, I mean, the real true deadline is to have something ready for town meeting. And to have, so that town meeting members themselves can have know what they're voting on. Right. Vote. But it's the having it in the warrant is certainly ideal. Right, but this may be out of our hands. And if we were to continue to meet, it would all be on the public record. They'd have Milton Access Television, could watch our deliberations, the podcasts are available out there. It'd be of record. And we would be able to work together to distribute once the market meeting did, you know, have a vote and have a comment that it was already voted. We could work together to distribute that broadly um, to everybody. Okay. JJ. Just to speak to, like, if we find asbestos or lead paint in the building, um, does it make sense then if it's really bad to just wreck the building at some point and just start from scratch? Would that be an option? That's obviously always an option. Um, I think that's, that's something that's that, possible. you know, for me, we, we would hand away on the architects input on that. You know, what, what's What's the cost of renovating it? You know, what we're looking at is square footage costs right now for new construction against renovation, right? And if you're doing renovation, you're encountering, you know, as you're talking about, you know, asbestos and stuff like that, instead of bumping that number up, that's where you're going to compare the two and say, yeah, maybe it is better. So, so I guess just yeah. to speak to that, like worst case scenario, if you had to wreck the building, just based with your experience, like how much would that cost to turn it into land, basically, to start from scratch? Yeah, that, that is right now. Yeah. Judy, I see your hand. <laughs> Thank you, um, Jay. To be clear, just to help you out, um, Mr. Milano, the actual debt exclusion for this particular project, will this be a fall off or just a reduction after 20 years? So I'll, a true follow Any payments associated with this project will fall off the tax rolls after the last payment is paid. So it'll, it'll fall off at the end. Thank you very much. Okay. What's our sense? Is our sense that we want to go to a vote tonight on the merit of the article and up or down, yes or no? Do we want to continue the matter to a future date that we could hopefully have a firm number that we could work with. It seems to me it's more of the sense that we would want to continue. And that firm number, would that be, are we talking, would the firm number be this, the purchase price? It, would it, it would not, we wouldn't have any numbers around, um, Anything beyond the purchase price. Well, I think we would have to go to Mr. O'Rourke's presentation that, that of what be, those yeah what those estimations were in the thirty million dollar. So yeah, in twenty nineteen when DRA did their study mm -hmm. um, for the construction of, of a brand new uh, early HP, 
Education Center, I think it was around high 30, 39, 40 million. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But again, that was for, um, I think the concept that they presented at that one is doing it on the backside of the high school. Mm -hmm. So it was building it there, so there's no uh, cost associated with acquiring land as right. part of that too. Okay. And, and take into account it was 2019. Yes, <laughs> noted. <laughs> Right? So this would be the first step in this process. Okay. Um, I, we might have to adjust our date because, like, right now we've scheduled next Wednesday. It might have to go into Thursday. I, you know, the comments due on Friday. Uh, maybe what we can do is, for purposes of right now, we'll just leave it on on Wednesday. We have a date, but we, we might need to make an adjustment on that. So please note that, um, just to, to please do your best to keep your schedules open and then we'll have to make a, we'll have to do it on the move. Okay, thank you. All right, so that concludes our discussion of that article. Um, and it's getting on nine. The only other remaining business that we sort of had uh, that we, we talked about, um, discussions of our preparations for the annual town meeting and subcommittees. We still don't have the budget. We will be getting that soon, one would hope. I know that the, some people have been going to the school budget subcommittee meetings, so that's hugely important. So we sort of have an idea what's coming our way on that, starting to work on that. Um, you know, people had a talk, had, I had asked for solicitations of uh, what you wanted to be on your budget subcommittee. And so basically, especially schools, schools have already sort of been assembled. Emily is gonna be the chair of that. Basically, and I'll reach out to people sort of on a one-on-one -on -one with the emails. If you um, asked for um, a subcommittee, you're on it, <laughs> okay? And I'll probably create some kind of a spreadsheet or something like that but just for purposes of people are asking like am i what committees am i on you're on the ones you wanted to be on you know there may be there's a couple other ones that are floating around so i'm likely to pick up the ones that nobody's volunteered <laughs> for like right mm -hmm. and you know i may you know i may come to you with a request okay? <laughs> you know and so, so basically, I'd go with it. we'll go with it like that. If you ask to be on a committee, if you showed any interest, you're on it. You know, we'll close the loop on that and make it official. It would be helpful to actually have a budget, though. Mm -hmm. And do the yes, newer members totally. like do you guys have questions about how we do the subcommittees? With the school. Yeah, and then yeah. I think when we get got closer, we would meet if it's more. If you have like your own. Um, you're working on library, there's a few people, so that would have to be posted as a public meeting. Um, you have minutes, and then if it's a smaller thing, um, I know someone last year did a few smaller things, and she was the only one on the committee, so you don't have to post that publicly. Right? Or did we get clarification? Yeah. We're gonna... That was new last year, right? That we had to post, and then there, I feel like there was some question as to we're going to see clarification on that because after the fact, we found that some of our meetings that we had gone through, you know, the process to have open meetings. So we're zooming and it's all, 
open was not necessary, oh. which is helpful. Uh, it, it's nice. Like we, we, we got clarification on our open meeting rule with regards to our quorum and our hybrid Zoom. Is that before we were operating under the guidance that we had to have quorum in the room, but now it looks like we can have quorum. So it's helpful um, to, it just makes it easier not to have to schedule, you know, the, the Zoom. You know, so we'll get more clarification on that. But so essentially, yeah, you, you, you meet in your subcommittee, you review the budget, and then you reach out to the principals, the department heads, go over it, ask them their questions, and uh, and then be prepared to write the comment in the warrant article, you know, giving the explanation. For the school budget, when's that comment due? I'm sorry? For the school budget? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when's that one do? Well, it's, it will be the same. And the, yeah, right. And the school budget comment is a major undertaking. Yeah. It's, it's always like when the board meeting. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's totally separate deadline yeah. than this. <laughs> because the I was just going to add, if it's okay, for school budget. Um, I know I've seen many of you at the school finance subcommittee meetings in the mornings, but not everyone who was interested in being on the school subcommittee could attend those. So now I know at the last meeting, Glenn was talking about getting those because they're getting the budget approved, that they're getting the binders ready. <laughs> those of you who've been on here before, nice weekend of light reading. Um, so we, I think we kind of need that for the, like for sure, kind of the meeting yeah. between the that would help. <laughs> committee, subcommittee and finance from schools. So I'm going to work with Betty to try to and then we'll coordinate on scheduling because I, the sense I got was we probably need one evening meeting um, because of some scheduling on our side um, to make sure everyone can attend. Because I know that 8.30 is tough. So your question to your point about our subcommittees, are all of those subcommittees um, filmed? Do you know? Like, so the, the budget one yesterday, was that? That wasn't filmed. It was, no, yeah, that's this, a sub, yeah. But yeah, I, that's, yeah. yeah, but they it's open that anyone can it's attend. It's open, but right, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, so the, so yeah the school finance, like, couldn't, we're right. attending it, but it's an <clears throat> open meeting from, so, like, I right. checked when they, because I don't think they had one the first week back because of the superintendent search. Mm -hmm. um, they typically have them every Tuesday morning, yeah. but you can see under the school committee agendas, you'll see them posted because they're yeah. open meetings. Okay. So, yeah, so anyone yeah, can okay. attend, but they don't fill those ones. Okay. Thank you all. Um, is there anything else? Is there a motion to adjourn? Motion to adjourn. Is it seconded? Second. Does anyone oppose it? <laughs> Carries unanimously. Thank you. We're Thank adjourned. you.